0: 3, 2, 1, 0 From the studios of
1: WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth Podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy?
0: This is Stand Up For The Truth. Crash Connell, it is a fresh new podcast. It is Tuesday, February 13, 2024. Mary, you remember when everybody was glued to the TV sets on this date back in 1633 when Galileo was on trial for his support of uh, heliocentrism? Catholic Church, remember that big trial? That was huge. People glued to the
1: sets. Glued to the sets. (laughs) On this date... 1633. <laughs> well, All right. Now we get underway. Now I'm wondering what the commercials were like. So I don't know. It just came off Super Bowl Sunday, which was totally weird. But anyway, um yes, good morning. It is February the 13th. Carl Kirby is my guest today. Really glad to welcome him back to the podcast. He's been with us before. Always an interesting time with Carl. But I'm going to jump in here first with a scripture reading and prayer Then I will introduce him and our subject for today, and the scripture this morning is Revelation 21, 1-4. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Yea, we know how it ends. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I lift up those today who are weary in this life and the difficulties that come in a sinful world and a perverse generation. We know that you have already conquered sin and death. Help us to live and walk in obedience and the tremendous hope that you give us. And we thank you that hope does not disappoint, that our inner selves are being renewed day by day. Lord, I pray for anyone who is sick and suffering that you would help them in their infirmity, Lord, as only you can. I lift up Carl and ask that you continue to bless him and his ministry, his family, his health, for open doors to continue to speak truth to a dying world. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, Carl Kirby is my guest today. He was first introduced to apologetics by two pilots after he told them evolution was compatible with the Bible, which is what he'd been taught in Sunday school. The men pulled out their Bible and showed him that what the world taught wasn't the same as what the Word taught. With 50 to eighty percent, 88% of the younger generation raised in the church, leaving the church by the age of 18, Carl's desire is for them to know what they are walking away from. This can only happen if they are able to critically think and evaluate arguments so that they can determine the truth. Reasons for Hope is the ministry, r 4 com is the site. There's also an app available uh, on, in your app store with a lot of content. Uh, good morning, Carl. Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth.
0: Miss Mary, it is a blessing to be with you, but not so much Mr. Crash. Oh.
1: <laughs> well, I won't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, what is new at Reasons for Hope? I know there's retreats going on, podcasts, all kinds of stuff. What What do you yeah. want to tell us about what's new with the ministry?
0: Man, it's crazy. I've had my busiest start to ministry ever. I've been in ministry oh. over almost 30 years now. And this, this year, I've already done three camps. Um, it's been so encouraging. Uh, one of the cool things is that now I'm going and speaking, and there's these 25, 26-year-olds. That heard me when they were like 10, 11, and 12. And now they're adults and wow. they're still coming and encouraging me. One guy, one young man, uh, is on the PGA golf tour now. I was over in Hawaii. I know it's tough, but it was real ministry. <laughs> and uh, it just so happened that he was over there at the same time going through a PGA orientation and uh, played his first PGA tour. And we were able to get together and to hear this young man's testimony. How solid he still is and how much what we did helped him when he went through the secular college. I mean, people coming after him. Um, a matter of fact, you talked about our podcast. He's going to be on our podcast this Friday night. I, I asked him to be on there and sharing his story and, you know, how to, how do you, how do you stay strong in your faith, man, when you're out yeah. on, the uh, you know, this crazy world that, that they're in, but our camps are blowing up. It's, it's so encouraging. Wow. We're doing six of our own camps this year. One is, up in Elgin, Illinois, at uh, Judson University that we're calling it uh, Equip Plus because the dream has always been we do our camps, regular camps, but how about we take it to the next step? You know, let's go a little bit deeper, but then we're even offering in this camp in Elgin that uh, – the young people, they're going to get their, I call it a star search. You get to hop up on stage, bring your best five minutes, we're going to critique you. <laughs> I want to start discipling this next generation yeah. to pick the oh, ball yeah. up and run with it. So yeah. a lot of stuff going on. Super encouraging. Thank you for asking.
1: Yeah. Wow. What are the age groups of the uh, equip retreats?
0: Junior high, high school. Uh, mm-hmm. or for, can be the campers. Once they're out of high school, then they can come as a counselor. Uh, but uh, yeah, junior high, high school is what we're focusing on.
1: That's fantastic. And if you've been in ministry long enough, you do get to hear some of these, uh, stories of, of young people who, yeah. where you had an effect on their life. And boy, what an encouragement that is in these days. Yes. Because in ministry, sometimes you just put one foot in front of the other for years on end and you don't really know what the fruit is. But then God, Amen. you know, God allows you to, to be encouraged by someone. And that, I love hearing mm-hmm. stuff like that. So that's fantastic. We are going to yeah. talk about worldviews today. I like to call it Worldviews mm. Inc. because as I thought about this and, Carl, if you just indulge me for a minute to set this up, I I realized that on on an atomic level, basically, there is a worldview for every human based on the goggles that they put on every morning, the grid that guides their thinking about life and death. Now, their pre, pre- pres- wow presuppositions, presuppositions. That was a tough one. Can be true. Mm. Partly true, entirely false, or outright delusional. So for our purposes today, um, I think we can simply put it as a set of beliefs that we hold uh, true and live by. And a basic worldview test might be, what is reality? What is a human? What does it mean to be alive? What happens when we die? What is the nature of right and wrong? Now, that's a very basic Basic, basic worldview, and it has nothing to do with how smart a human is because the most education, educated person in the world can have the most skewed worldviews, and philosophers have been trying to explain all this for centuries and cults too. Worldview is everything to everyone when you think about it on a basic level. Um, so one question might be, uh, before I ask you what, what a worldview is to you, are, are we made in the image of an all knowing, omniscient God or, did consciousness and rationality develop over over time in a long evolutionary process? So, Carl, I want to throw this uh, back to you now. A mm-hmm. worldview from an apologetic standpoint. If someone says to you, "What's what's a worldview?" What would you answer them?
0: Very simply, it's just the way that we see the world and the glasses. I, I to make a simple illustration is like I, I've had those starting start wearing, gla- wearing glasses as I've gotten older, right? I can't read menus anymore, <laughs> right. so uh, I gotta yeah. put glasses on. Well, your worldview are, are the glasses by which you see the world. And I can put on your prescription, Miss Mary, and I'd probably be blind as a bat. You put mine on, you'd be <laughs> blind as a bat. But when you put the right prescription on, it makes sense of the world. Mm-hmm. And so what we've got to make sure is that we're seeing the world through the right prescription. And as a Christian, you've mentioned the, the Christian and the non-Christian, We have to make a decision who are we going to allow to be our authority our standard referent i do a talk on you know there is no truth you got your truth we all got our truth you know yada 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 well what's the truth about that and so if in order to know if something is true or not you have to have what is called a standard referent and that standard referent is something by which you judge everything by and as a christian If our standard referent is not the Word of God, we truly have nothing, and then it just becomes everybody hollering at each other, Mm -hmm. holding their own rulers up, and that's the problem that we Mm -hmm. see going on in the culture today. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got their own rulers, and so your truth is not my truth. That's true. Your ruler is not my ruler, but that doesn't negate the fact that there is real truth. So uh, a worldview, again, is simply the way by which we see and understand the world It's the set of glasses that we put on that is at our very foundation, our very core to understand the Mm -hmm. world by.
1: Mm-hmm. And I like that, because it's plain and simple. For believers, this is our worldview. And yet, yeah. let's throw a monkey in the, works, in the works here, because Arizona Christian University did a study, and it shows a shocking lack of biblical worldview among American yep. pastors. And this ought not to be, Carl, but it says oh, yeah. a majority of pastors lack a biblical worldview. In fact, just slightly more than a third possess a biblical worldview and the majority, 62%, hold a hybrid worldview known as syncretism, which is blending ideas and worldviews that reflect, I think, that reflect our comfort zone. So um, George Barna is the one who who is the veteran researcher here. And he says it's just further evidence that the culture is influencing the American church more than the churches are influencing the culture. But I think, Carl, it goes beyond that because we have the standard, we have the book. It's an open book test. So what what is the problem, and, and it does, and we'll get into this more deeply, it varies on the position, the pastoral position held, and all that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. there's a way to break all this down. Uh, we don't want to get bogged down in statistics, but, um, mm. Carl, why, why why are the pastors the ones who should have but don't have a biblical worldview?
0: You know, it goes all the way back to the very beginning, the very first question that, uh, <laughs> that we see that caused all the problems. Did God really say that? Yeah, right. It's doubt. Uh, Think of it like this. You know, Gallup also did some research on it, and there's, you know, approximately, according, you know, to to statistics and all that stuff, there's 176 million Americans in America who identify as Christian. But the reality is it's only about 6% that have a biblical worldview. Wow. And so when we look at the world around us and we wonder, how in the world could this be? We're the most Christian nation on the planet. We have more (laughs) Christian churches, music, TV. We got it all, bro. I mean, we got all the Christian stuff you could ever want, and we're like falling apart. How can that be? Because you can say Jesus with your lips, but if it's not a heart-soul-mind relationship, you don't really have them. And so what we see is that by doubt, if I can get you to doubt the first chapter of the first book of the Word of God, which is our standard reference. You're never going to sell out for any of the rest. I put it like this. If People want me to give people the book of John when we're doing evangelism. Give them the book of John. Read the book of John. And I'm like, why? Why should anybody mm. read the book of John if the book of Genesis isn't true? Mm. All of that wonderful theology in John is predicated on the history that's in Genesis. And so we have to be able to trust God as he revealed himself to us through his word from the beginning all the way to the end. Because, look, you've seen me before, Miss Murray, you know. Um, I have a body that is obviously one that loves buffets, because when you go to buffets, you can get all the food groups, chicken, beef, pork, shrimp, and chocolate for dessert. Ah, But there's a problem when you have a poor physical diet, and that's poor physical health. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem that we see in our culture today is that way too many people that claim Jesus with their lips want a buffet approach to the Scripture. Give me the love and grace, but I can't handle that judgment thing. Well, God revealed himself as a just uh, God And so he is going to judge sin. There are consequences to actions, and we just by not acknowledging it, that's not going to save anything. As a matter of fact, it's going to cause the problems that we see. We have to allow God to be who he is, because it doesn't matter what I think about him. It matters who he truly is.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And th- this article goes on to say that a person's worldview develops before the age of 13. Teen. And then it goes through mm. a period of refinement during teens and twenties. Therefore, from a worldview development perspective, the church's most important ministers are the children's pastor and youth pastor. But when you look at the biblical worldview statistics that Barna has, um, the, the child or youth pastor uh, only twelve percent have a biblical worldview. That's a bit of a problem.
0: Oh, uh, Miss Mary that one—that one—that's the one that breaks my heart. Yep. And I, and yep. when I share this in my talks. It's like, guys, you've got to understand that when. 12% of people that predominantly have been tasked with training up the next generation of Christians, which are youth pastors, and by the way, it's not right. That's not the way that it should be. Parents, don't advocate your responsibility to the church, to the government, to a pastor to train your child. Yeah. You, they're, your responsibility. And, and, and I know that people get upset at me over this, but it's like, here's reality. If you abdicate your responsibility to anybody, you're not going to like the outcome. Yeah. It's not the youth pastor's job. But for whatever reason, we've done this. Well, they're smarter than me. They've got training. Baloney, 12% of them have a biblical worldview. And and, and here's something that struck me, Mr. mayor. You gave those quotes. And I've been using these quotes or these statistics for a long time. 50 to 88%, depending on who you look at, 50 to 88% of younger generation walking away from the Lord Jesus Christ. Raised in the church, gone. Well, then I find this thing here just last year. What, about a few months ago, I, wrote, I found this article where 12% of youth pastors had biblical worldviews, 88%, up to 88% of kids are walking away. Isn't that kind of interesting that these numbers just yes, kind of like fall is. in line?
1: I didn't catch that, but no, you're right. That is very interesting.
0: It, it blew me out of the water, and I'm like, okay, guys, here's, here's the reality. And, and it gets to me, it's even worse, and I don't want to be a mean, nasty guy, mm-hmm. but when it says that uh, you've got 37% of senior pastors, that have a biblical worldview, that's Mm. not true. It cannot be true. Mm. Because if 37% of senior pastors had a biblical worldview, you would not see them allowing someone that doesn't have a biblical worldview to be a youth pastor. 13% teaching pastor, What are they teaching? If, yes. if you don't have the biblical worldview, what are you teaching? And 28% of associate pastors, That's assistant right. pastors, they wouldn't allow those people to serve right. underneath of them if they truly had a biblical worldview. So to me, the problem goes much deeper. And, and, and it's not to be mean, it's just that we got to right. care enough that there's a battle going on, and the answer is not to compromise, not to water down, and not to run. Yeah. It's to stand firm in the face of the craziness, with a real answer, his name is Jesus, and his word is true.
1: absolutely. now these there were eight categories that were rated um and mm. the the plumb line here is thinking and acting biblically in each of these. How many of these pastors think and act? in other words, when the when the the word and the deed line up, that's truth. How many of them think and act biblically in each of these? And they asked 54 worldview-related questions. So it's not like they said, you know, they stuck a microphone under somebody's nose and asked a couple of quick questions and wrote down some numbers. So mm-hmm. it's a, I think it's a fairly comprehensive thing. The number one of the categories, biblical understanding of life and purpose and calling. Okay, that's a big one for a pastor, life, purpose, and calling. Mm-hmm. Now, among senior pastors, that was 60%. So they understand... Um, the meaning of life and the purpose of their calling, and hopefully they think and act based on that. And now, so sixty percent of senior pastors. This is the best news in the whole survey. It, it goes downhill from here. Youth and children's pastors, forty-eight percent on that one point alone. Associate pastors, forty-one. Teaching pastors, thirty-six. Executive pastors, twenty-seven. Those last two are murky for me because I don't understand those those titles. Um, Mm -hmm. so, the only one, this is the only one where there's a majority view of being biblical, thinking and acting biblically. Okay, but now we get to personal, number two of the categories, personal faith practices. Across the board, 43% of pastors think and act biblically in personal faith practices. I don't know if that has to do with, um, just their day-to-day living. Um, do you have any thoughts on that one?
0: Yeah, I, I wish I could see the survey itself yeah, I yeah. just read the same thing. You know, you just see the statistics and you wonder what the application component is mm-hmm. uh, because that would be a telling thing. I, I would love to see this expand even more. Matter of fact, I've actually thought about reaching out to Arizona. Mm. Uh, my, I had a good friend that was on their board and he passed away, so I lost my contact there. But uh, I've thought about reaching out and I'd love to get some more of that information because I think yeah. that is the key. Yeah. What, what what were the application components? Because yeah. that's going to put feet to the fire.
1: Definitely. And that's a little bit of a, a murky one as well. But I think these get a little clearer as we go. The third category, family and the value of life, thinking and acting biblically, 47% was the average there on, with all these pastors. So um family and the value of life. I mean, again, that's a little bit broad, but you can kind of imagine marriage fits under that what do you feel about yes. abortion, that sort of thing. Exactly. Um, uh, so that was 47%. Number four, God, creation, and history, 44%. It, it sounds like the book of Genesis to me. In fact, it sounds like the whole Old Testament. Um, again, we would want to know, what are your views on Genesis? What you know Is this a young earth? Is this an old earth? I'm wondering if those were some of the questions they asked there.
0: And Miss Mary, i got to be honest, I, that one kind of surprised me because I thought it would be mm-hmm. a lot lower from my years of travel. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, oh, my goodness, yeah. <laughs> I, I, very seldom do you find churches that are willing to take a stand. Even churches that have invited me in to speak uh, are more like, you know, okay, th- that's, that's, that's one view and that's okay, right? We'll let you do your thing, but we, th- they don't think it's an important issue, so... That, that, that one is one that I'm, I kind of wonder about, quite frankly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, and it's not good. I, if they aren't taking a literal view of Genesis, then, then the whole Bible is skewed and so is Revelation. So that's an yeah. important one. Number five, the, the fifth category out of eight, human character and human nature. I'm guessing that has to do with sin nature possibly, <clears throat> and then what it means to have integrity personally. Mm. Um, that's 40%. So um, what do you think about that particular category, what that might entail? Uh,
0: yeah, the, the, are we inherently evil? Mm-hmm. You know, are, are we born evil? Or is it learned? Because you see so much uh, secularization, even within the church, uh, of trying to adopt uh, secular philosophy and secular psychology and, and bring that type of thing in. That's, that's where I believe that they were probably going with uh, that one under the human nature.
1: Okay. All right. That, that's, that makes sense. Number six category is lifestyle, personal behavior, and relationships. So interpersonal relation, you know, uh, how you behave with people in your family and the people in the church. I'm, I'm guessing here. Like I said, we don't have the 54 questions that were asked, but, uh, 40% for lifestyle, personal behavior, and relationships. Uh, so connecting the scriptures with how we're supposed to act with how we actually do act. <laughs> is that maybe possibly that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then number seven, matters of sin and salvation and our relationship with god forty three percent and the final one is beliefs behaviors related to the Bible truth and morality thirty nine percent so it has tanked as we 've gone down here when it comes to truth and morality and and how we behave i mean that's uh that is not good so basically I think the the takeaway for me on this is that a minority of Christian pastors think and act biblically in all the categories or at least the last yeah. seven. That's that's not really good news, um, and I I'm mean, going let me add to that a little bit. Moment by moment, decisions made by these leaders are shaped by non biblical views, and that right. is definitely not good. Any thoughts on that?
0: Uh, you know the the line that I've used for a long time to try to just challenge people because again we want to I want to be respectful, but mm-hmm. I want to step on toes and just kind of mm-hmm. walk away with people thinking. If you walk away people thinking, that's a good thing. And I'll put a thing out yeah. like this: memorization without application is worthless. Yeah, I've I've been in all kinds of settings. I mean, I've done a lot of prison ministry, right? You go into prison, those prisoners, there's guys in there that can quote more scripture than I've ever read. Uh-oh. You know, I'm exaggerating, but it's like that. They really can rattle stuff off.
1: Yeah,
0: but they don't really have it. They don't own it. It's not theirs. It's just something that learning pieces. So. The memorization aspect of Scripture is vitally important. We need to put God's Word into our heart and into our mind, but we also need that application component. And that's where I see all of these categories in here. That's where I see the disconnect is. Because it's easy to to rattle this over here, but then how do I apply it in this realm over here? How do I apply it when it comes to morality? How do I apply it when it comes to marriage and abortion and all those types of things? And, And if we've just memorize some things, but we don't really have the true application, the mm-hmm. true meaning behind it, it it just turns into superficial stuff, quite yeah. frankly. That's yeah. where I was until the Lord changed my heart, mind, and soul and did all that when I was 26 years old.
1: Yeah. Well, and it requires knowing how God views any given situation, thinking biblically, taking every thought captive, yeah. and really, you know, working all these things out And being in, in touch with the Lord and the Holy Spirit as He guides us and directs us day to day. Um, I was, what it really, this really made me think of was Colossians 2, 8. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. There's your syncretism right there. But, Mm -hmm. uh, Carl, when you look at the verse right above that, says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So it gives the solution right there, being rooted and built yep. up in him and established. And if you're not, then, then plan B happens, uh, being spoiled through syncretism and philosophy and vain deceit and the traditions of men and all that sort of thing. So Colossians gives us the answer to all of this, but it looks to me here that it's, it's not uh, happening. Uh, so that's kind of where, go ahead, go ahead, Carl.
0: No, I, I, I agree with that. And the verse that I've always run in, uh, that uh, what I see going on, I'm always reminded of is Ephesians 4.14, mm. you know, that we're, we're not to be children anymore, tossed mm. to and fro by ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, because this is Satan's realm. He knows how to take things that aren't good and make them look good. Mm-hmm. And and so that's a part of what I I, I really believe is happening here, is that mm. because we don't have the standard reference, don't fully trust it as our authority. I mean, our authority in everything, not just, you know, spiritual stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The Word of God is that standard reference for everything in our life. Because we don't have that, well, now we can start getting tossed to and fro because, uh, you know, we, we know the Scripture. There's a way that seems right to man, but the ends lead to death. And so when we start trying to use our physical mind, oh my goodness, apart from God's Word, we're in trouble. Same thing that happened to Adam and Eve, It's the same thing that's going on today. Same tool, doubt. Let me get you to doubt the word. And then all of a sudden, all these other things are going to fall apart because now you're going to rely on yourself. And we're bad. (laughs) At least I am. I know that. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. And the thing, I think, with these numbers, as shocking as they are, and and I I don't want to end the podcast without offering some hope with this, um, but as shocking as they are, I want to talk about how it uh, relates and trickles down into the body itself. You know, how does this Mm -hmm. relate to the practices of the person in the pew? Because the church is more than pastors and far more than the quote-unquote evangelical leaders who make the news and seem to speak for the church. How do we translate this into the health of the body? You know, a lot say, well, we can't find a church because, um," I mean, they do have personal relationships with God themselves outside of that hour and a half they spend in the church. And so, uh, they're not happy with a lot of the pulpits. I've heard this for years and years now. The flock is pretty sharp and they want to get together. They want to study. They want to encourage, but they settle for churches that are what I would call lukewarm if that's where these pastors are at. And they don't teach apologetics. They don't teach Bible prophecy. Uh, so how does this, how, how can we encourage the people in the church, um, that it's, it's also their responsibility um, yeah. To have that biblical worldview, even if, oh, I hate to say this, bite my tongue, even if the pastor doesn't.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right in that here's what we can do we can get engaged. I ran the home studies for years before I ever became a speaker. I, I, as a matter of fact, that's where I really learned mm-hmm. how to communicate. Oh, yeah. Uh, in, in home studies, leading home studies. And it was so weird. I think only one or two people from my own church came. It was people from the community, you know, people from other p- churches that would come to my place, and, and we did this. And uh, I, I, because when I first got saved, I was in a church where they tolerated me. Um, mm-hmm. They were not in agreement, you know, with the stand that I took on Scripture, being young earth and all that type of a thing. Mm-hmm. So they tolerated me. I could use the church building, but I didn't get a lot of support from the from the church or the pastor. And so, what did I do? Man, I was just engaged. I I taught the youth. I was the guy that worked with the young men. I did, uh, back then it was called Royal Ambassadors. I'm sure they still have it in the Southern Baptists. And I, uh, I taught Royal Ambassadors. And I'm, I was teaching young men scripture and mm. how to use it in application. Uh, I did it in home studies. Did it in uh, small groups. Did it all those types of things. So you can, even within a church that's not supportive of you, you can still have an impact. You can teach Sunday school. You can start, first and foremost, with your own family. That's where we have to start, with ourselves and with our family. But then you can expand out from there in in all kind of creative ways. I think we're bound in ministry by our lack of imagination sometimes. I coached. For years, yes. I coached. I look. I did more Bible teaching in the coaching than I did in other places because now I've got these young men, and they're they're looking for for that from from a coach like that. So mm-hmm. I would encourage parents. There's unique things that you can do. Our house, we made our house the place where the kids wanted to hang out. That we fed more basketball players and baseball players because you know that's they were at our house and they were playing foosball. We bought a foosball table. We bought air hockey. But I knew what was going on in my place. So we made our house the place where this is where it's mm. going to be. Yeah. The kids are going to want to come here. My kids don't want to, come, want to go to other people's places. They're going to want to come here. Yeah. So there's all kind of tools that you can use to yeah. just speak truth.
1: Yes, and I'm so glad you brought that up because I cut my teeth on a, a home study. You know, within a week after I got saved, I was off to yeah. a home study. And in the friendships you make and the things you learn from those older than yep. you in the Lord – uh, and, and people around who you can, where you can discuss the scriptures. There's an awful lot of personal growth that can go on there. We had a gal, uh, in our fellowship who had a home study for young women, teen, teenage yep. girls. <clears throat> what a better place to encourage them in the battles that they face, how to grow into a Christian woman, how to view dating, all these other things. Like you said, Let's get creative mm-hmm. on this sort of thing. If you, if God's put a burden on your heart to have a home study, we also did one. There was a book many years ago called Your Home, a Lighthouse, and it walks you mm. through sending out invitations. I don't know if the book is still around, and I can't vouch for it today, uh, many years later, but the whole idea was this is how you invite your neighbors. This is when it is. Yeah, yeah. Come on in. We're going to have coffee and donuts, and we're going to talk about, you know, your questions about God and eternity and, there are ways to to be that one that attracts um, attracts people to your home. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that. Carl, we have to take a break here uh, for the next couple of minutes, but uh, this is Mary Danielson. This is Stand Up for the Truth for February 13th. We're talking to Carl Kirby of Reasons for Hope is the ministry. We're talking about Worldviews, Inc., because everybody has one. So we are going to be back in just a couple of minutes, and I want to ask him, also, more about uh, pastors and society's ills. Do they really originate with a lack of solid teaching? So, uh, stay with me for the next uh, couple of minutes, and we will continue with Carl Kirby when we come back.
0: Our social media pages are shadow banned.
1: Thanks for your prayers and sharing our posts at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth for, uh, oh, it's Tuesday. I forgot what date it was. Tuesday, February the 13th. And we're speaking to Carl Kirby of Reasons for Hope, R-F-O-R-H.com, R-F-O-R-H.com. And we're talking about the state of the church. And I, I think taking the temperature of the church from time to time, there's nothing wrong with that. And Carl, we talked about uh, off-air for a second there about a new ministry opportunity, and you wanted to expand on that a little bit. Tell us what, what's next that it just came to you uh, recently.
0: Yeah, we've been doing uh, we call it a micd up, where we train a generation to go up, uh, go out and just engage people in conversations on the street, right? And so in order to do that, though, we've been working with this system where we have a, uh, a question a month, all right? Here's the question for this month. And here's a bunch of resources to read, to study on. Here's how it's used. Here's the way the argument is used, or it's typically us. Here's resources to do it, uh, to to bone you up on feeling better about it, uh, dealing with it. And then we have uh, two where we do Zoom calls, where it's one of us uh, live talking with people that are doing this sort of a thing. So they now feel comfortable to go out on the street, ask the question. Um, and get in conversations with people. And so, two days, three days, about three days ago now, I had a, a gentleman that called me up, real good friend. And he's like, Man, my daughter's 16, and now uh, I, I want to have these conversations. How do I get these conversations mm-hmm. started? So I was like, Man, why don't we use this mic'd up thing? It's not just for the youth groups and uh, our mic'd up teams that are going out and, 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 and doing this. We've been doing it with them for a while now. How about we expand it? to adults and their parents and their children, I Hmm. should say, so parent units. And so that's what we're doing. We're in the process right now. Uh, I'll have our team meeting today, and we're going to upgrade the website so that now it'll be open out to to everybody because before it's been basically by, you know, invitation, just the teams that we're working with. But we're going to expand that now. So think of it, one question a month. Uh, if you do it for a year there's 12 questions that are going on in the culture that you've been given information on how to deal with but not just giving you a book or something to read a video to watch you're gonna have twice a month live interaction with someone well how about this how about that how do we do this and uh, I mean we had bill jack in for the training last two weeks ago Tina Marie Griffin's gonna be in and uh in, in, in two weeks Um Last night was oh uh, I forget his name now. But we're bringing in people, not just us doing it. But we want to bring people in and give access to people that want to just have conversations about their faith with other people.
1: Mm-hmm. That's I, I love that. I, as some of this on social media, can people watch some of these or? How, um... Yeah,
0: if you go if you go to like our app, you told about the app. If they download the app by searching for R F O R. H on the app store, you can uh, you can absolutely see all the different sections on there. You'll see the uh, the, the the bunked section on there. You'll see okay. mic'd up where there's man on the street stuff. That's where this is going to expand uh, once we get this website created with the, all the the questions. You can see that right now if they go to and I'm going to do this as we talk to make sure I don't give you the the bad stuff. If they go to daveglander.com, okay. That's the, uh, the, the the gentleman who's running our equip uh, uh, camps for us. Dave's our he's the guy. But if you go to DaveGlander.com, you're going to see in there. This is the precursor. It's being changed. It's being worked on. But you'll see uh, equip retreat. Glad you asked. No, at the very top it says Mic'd up discipleship. There's okay. a tab at the top, Mic'd up discipleship. If you hit that. You'll be able to scroll down, and you'll see January and February. So the question for January is in there with the resources. And actually, even the training that we did on YouTube where we did a Zoom uh, live Zoom, that's recorded. That's in there, so you can watch that as well. February is in there now. And like I said, this is all going to be getting changed because prior, we were just doing it with our own in-house team. But now we're going to expand it out.
1: Yeah, that, that actually sounds like a lot of fun, um, for people to just watch how you do things and, and, uh, I think apologetics is, is because of a lot of this worldview stuff. Now other things have fallen by the wayside as well. Apologetics, uh, in the church, yep. teaching apologetics from the pulpit, teaching apologetics in the youth group. Carl, what a concept. Yep. I wish I more, know. I wish more youth groups would even undertake that. There are curriculum out there. There's answers in Genesis. There are, there are great apologists out there who would love to come alongside you to teach the teens apologetics. And Carl, I, for me personally, that is a prescription for really revitalizing the church again. That's just one. Amen. Um, but apologetics has just been lost utterly. And, and I guess I want to ask you also, um, we talked about, uh, worldviews and that there's one for every human. Okay. So basically, um, it's an uphill battle for us as believers to challenge the worldviews. That's why we speak one-on-one to people, find out what their worldview is and and bring the gospel to that. But also um, in the home, do you find that parents who really don't have a Christian worldview and don't seem to want one drop the young people off so that they can get something in life, but they aren't pursuing it themselves? Do, do you see that um, when you work with young people or families?
0: Oh, absolutely. Um I would highly encourage people to consider doing this as well. If you go to equipretreat.org, get your young people in one of our equip camps this summer. That's Mm -hmm. uh, that's an intensive five-day class, and we're across the country. So we're in Georgia, we're in Montana, we're in Illinois, Indiana, New Jersey, South Carolina. Uh, So we're doing them all over the place. But get your young people in there. Uh, But come with your child. Mm -hmm. Parent, come with your child. Mm -hmm. Be a part of this. And, and watch what happens when you see young people that get excited about their faith when they start seeing that there's actual answers out there and not just, you know, everybody's got their own opinion, that there are real world answers to these issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, bring your child on a dinosaur dig with us. Like, I'm, I'm taking people out on a dinosaur dig in Glendive, Montana. Um, come put feet to your faith. Do some application. Dig some dinosaur bones. Come back into the lab with us. Learn how to clean it up. Put it all back together. Go home with what you find, as long as it's not a T-Rex tooth or something. I mean, we gotta, <laughs> right. we're not going to let you keep that. Right. But I've got admonosaurus toe bones. I've got col- vertebral bones. I've got all kinds of stuff, man, <laughs> that, that I find out there. And learn. then when we're not doing that, we're doing training. We're teaching. Mm-hmm. There are applications that you can do with this. Go down the Grand Canyon. Uh, Dave's taking uh, folks with Jay, uh, uh, oh, Jay, i I'm going blank on his last name, but you know Jay Seeger, sorry. Oh that Jay, sure yeah years,
1: We had him yeah. on the podcast not too long ago. Yeah, I love Jay.
0: Yeah. Jay's good people. Jay and Dave are taking people to the Grand Canyon. It's mainly a a uh, you know a boat uh, a bus trip kind of a thing, but you do get out on the river. There are ways to put feet to this to 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 see your faith sure. and how it applies in the real world. And and so there's man, you don't even have to do it with us. There's just a lot of good people out there doing these types of things.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still I'm still thinking about the dinosaur dig. I think that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> it
0: is. I, I really would encourage people to come because when you get out there and you find this bone and then you take it in, you clean it up, you learn that whole process, you see how it all fits together and what takes place. It's 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 really a, a, a very encouraging time. Um, I've had grandparents bring grandchildren, parents, uh, like uh, I've got a guy coming back this year, he brought two sons the last time he was with us a couple, three years ago, now he's bringing like five other uh, uh, young people with him. It's just encouraging to see that our faith makes sense. The Word of God makes sense when you start with it, and you go to the world that we live in, it makes sense. It doesn't, it's not just blind faith that's what the world has god told us what he did why he did how he did we can take that history that he gave us and then go to the world that we live in and what i see in the world is it consistent with what i read in the word or does it contradict it and i'm telling you when you look for yourself it is consistent Mm -hmm.
1: and that is apologetics in a nutshell be ready to give an answer for the hope and that's not just for people who study apologetics in ministry full time that's every single person who's a believer who's listening to this or any podcast, we are all called to apologetics, clearly. Uh, So it's time to do our homework. And again, like you said before, be creative about these things. We don't have to reinvent the wheel or anything. There are a lot of great apologetics uh, ministries Mm -hmm. out there. Um, There's no reason to not set some time aside, even at home. Give your kids some homework. I know that's a bad word, but... Give them something to do and, and have them come back and say, This is how I can prove my faith. Um, let's put the rubber, you know, to the to the road, as they say. Another uphill mm-hmm. battle, Carl, is um if the parents when the children are a little older, maybe they're in their teens or late late childhood, the parents get saved. And the the children have had one lifestyle and one worldview yes. and one way of living, and now all of a sudden the parents are introducing an entirely different different set of rules and standards and morals Uh, have you experienced how this can really throw a family for a loop uh the kids may react they may completely uh, reject what what are your experiences on that
0: good good and bad um i've got a very dear friend uh who they got saved later in life their kids were or should say their children were already uh like 10 up to about 14 okay and just as you said, it was, it was like, okay, this is, we don't get it. This is not mm. what, you know, we're not in. And a couple of their children today, during their late twenties, early thirties, a couple of their children today are receptive, uh, and a couple are very antagonistic. In my own family, uh, when I got saved, my children were five and six. So they don't have big memories of yeah. dad, uh, BC, before Christ. Yeah. But, uh, they, could remember some things, and and what was so interesting is that my son came to pick me up from the airport one time, and he got delayed, and I was standing there, and uh, I, I was witnessing to somebody. I was giving them the gospel braces. I love giving the gospel braces out, telling them about you know this village in the Philippines, and then going through the you guys know Alex Curlo, right? He's up in Wisconsin. Um. Uh, Threads of Hope.
1: Oh, oh okay, of- yeah, uh huh,
0: yeah, yeah. So Alex, I get I get the the braces from them, and so he came up, and <clears throat> I didn't think anything about it. And then later, he was talking to somebody, something, he was talking about, yeah, I I thought when I was going to get my dad, he was going to be mad, because it was like, I was late, I got tied up, and I get there, and he was witnessing to somebody, and it just (laughs) brought back memories, Mm -hmm. made me remember how different he is now (laughs) than Mm -hmm. what he used to be. So so there's good and bad. I've seen both sides of it, but I'll tell you what, I think the good over outweighs the bad Mm -hmm. any day of the week, because they know. They, this was what was before, and then there's something that happened here. And in just that, that is what brought me to the Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit gets all the credit, but my wife got saved before I did.
1: Okay.
0: I thought I was a Christian. For two years, she lived the life. And I was like, I don't have that. I don't have that. But I'm, but I'm a Christian. I'm the one that took her to church. I'm the one that got her, quote-unquote, saved, right? <laughs> yeah. As if. But yeah. it was one of those things. Her life Got dramatically changed, and because of that, two years, a little over two years later, I was like, "I don't have that." Wow! And that's eventually what brought me to the Lord Jesus Christ as well, seeing that changed life.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the home dynamic is interesting because sometimes one will get saved, and the other, for years and years and years, yep. will not budge, and it puts a huge strain on a marriage. Um, sometimes a, a child will go to church, and they'll come home, and they'll get saved, and the yep. parents might not encourage them. So. Uh, we need to encourage uh the families around us to stay stay strong and stand firm in what God has done in your life. Um I think of a parent who maybe had some very bad behavior going on and all of a sudden becomes an entirely new creation and blesses mm-hmm. that family. So there's all kinds of possible dynamics. And um uh, sometimes the wife will get saved first and the husband does not uh he's not yep. interested and that's a special kind of ministry. That that is a, a huge challenge. So Pray for the families in, in our churches and, and hopefully that, uh, the Lord can just uh, fill them with grace to endure all these different uphill battles in worldview yeah. territory. I wanna, I wanna go back a little bit to pastors, Carl, because, um, I'm not one to blame society's ills on the pulpit. I, I just don't do that. Um, the world marches to a tune of its own its own God, uh, the church is not responsible for the world's or the culture's sins because they are under the sway of the wicked one. So the Bible teaches that office of pastor-teacher. And here's a statistic for you. The Bureau of Labor and Statistics says there are 54,000 pastors employed in America and 47,000 churches are Baptist. So you know that's wrong Um because there are yeah, probably uh, more than 200,000 churches in America. Right. So that's horribly understated. And I'm going to just play a little devil's advocate here because... Sometimes I wonder how many of those, if there are a couple hundred thousand pastors, are truly called to be pastor shepherds. Some are hirelings. Some, some went to seminary or Bible college, and they they want to be in ministry. Some just plant churches. And I know you don't know the answer to this, but is this, uh, to me, this is a little bit of a wrench in these statistics, and that has to do with calling. What What do you think about that?
0: Well, that is... I think it's a very important point because look, I'm ordained, right? Mm-hmm. But I am not a pastor. Mm. I, I learned that about myself. I'd be a church of one, my wife wouldn't even attend. It's a different calling. Mm. Uh I, I am a I think that I, I am very obedient when I'm doing the uh evangelist uh teaching side of it, but as far as being a pastored shepherd, that is not my gifting. i, I I've learned that about myself. I'm I'm a Bob Newhart. Counseling guy, right? If you've never <laughs> seen that, you got to go look it up on YouTube.
1: Okay. Uh, yes, I, I'm uh, familiar. I'm, I'm old, so I'm <laughs> familiar. Yeah. <laughs> you
0: got to watch, it. and that is that is to me counseling. I, I took Jay Adams, you know, therapeutic counseling. Sure. Mm-hmm. And and I'm just I think that, but that's not going to work well in our culture today. Um. So yeah, I think you need a calling. I mean, I've actually had this own conversation with my son. My son is an assistant pastor at the church that we attend. Our senior pastor has been there over 35 years, almost 36 years now, I think it is, maybe 37. And he is phenomenal. I love him. And there's been talk, you know, when pastor leaves, who's going to replace him? And my son and I have actually talked. He's like, have you been called? because that is a different gifting from what you're doing now, working yeah. with younger generation, going into senior pastor. Too many guys will use that as a stepping stone. Right. And I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing, because there are some people who are just called to be a youth leader, uh, yeah. you know, Youth pastor, I'm not opposed to it, um, but I just don't want them being the primary primary educator of my children. When it comes to you know spiritual issues, they can help me in my my responsibility. Yes. So yeah, the calling is important, and I don't I don't think those numbers are accurate because I can tell you mm-hmm. this right now. I just spoke up in Illinois, uh, a conference, the Illinois Missouri conference. They have what was he what what did he tell me uh, in their in their small like little group? They have 32 churches. Of those 32 churches, 12 of them don't have a pastor and have not had a pastor Aww. for years. They can't find pastors. I can tell you right off the top of my head, I know at least 20 at least twenty churches that don't have pastors that can't find pastors. Yeah. Finding a pastor right now is not easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are so many search committees going on and all this sort of a thing. We need more pastors, but please do it because you're called to it, not because it's a job. Yeah. It's not a job.
1: No, oh no, it's it's your entire life, um, yep. you know. And and I've been in uh I've been in the Calvary Chapel churches for decades, and you know I knew uh, with Pastor Chuck Smith and all the other Calvary pastors, the first generation. I know who they are. I I know mm. I know what they would teach or would have taught because now they're in their seventies. Some are pushing 80. Yeah. And the people don't realize this. These guys aren't going to be in the pulpit forever. So my point being, right. they now, um, some pass things along to their sons, if they have sons who are called as well. Um, mm. But we all know, from even from Scripture, that the next generation does not necessarily seek the Lord or walk in his ways. That's, right. That's kind of a human principle that we have found in ministry. And so um, I, in my head, I have something called an old school pastor. And they have that biblical worldview uh, um, where they they're activities and their lives and everything line up with that. But mm-hmm. like you said, who are they going to pass it along to? So then I'm I'm, sure. I'm working in the office at of church and people say, uh, recommend a church for me in such and such a state. Uh, well, I used to know who that pastor was, but I don't anymore. So what right, you're going right. to have to do is you're going to have to go on the internet and watch uh, sermons. You're going to have to watch the worship. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to evaluate biblically because I don't have an answer for you. And I find that right. that is part of this entire scenario here where we don't know what this next generation is going to have. Same with apologists. You lose your Dave Hunts, you lose your older apologists. Who's going to take their place? So, Carl, what do you think the role is? Is this a generational issue anyway that was bound to happen, or is something more going on here?
0: Well, there's definitely the generational aspect to it, but there's also, again, I think Satan has been very smart. Where has he put Mm. his focus and his intention? It's been on the younger generation. Train Mm -hmm. up the next generation, and you own the future. And that's why I walked away from big ministry, you know, a number of years ago to do what I'm doing now, putting an emphasis on the younger generation. Because uh, the research that we did back in the day was we we found out 87, 88 percent were walking away from their faith in elementary, middle and high school. And it was pretty much equally um, split, 47, 45 percent, right in that range between elementary, middle and high school. And so I made the decision that we have to go after younger generations. Satan's going after them. We have to be intentional about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not easy doing youth ministry because they don't buy books. They don't tithe. So it's very difficult financially to do it. We lose money. Every one of the camps that we do, I'm just telling you straight up, <laughs> I lose 150 minimum to $175 for every camper. Wow. We're doing six camps, 100 to 125 kids in each camp. You can do the math. It gets ugly quick. And so it's one of those things that it's not – a glamorous thing. It's not an exciting. Well, it is an exciting thing when you yeah. see these young people get fired up. But to me, this is the core issue. We have to put that investment in this younger generation because they are the future. And if we're not training them up, yeah. it's like I, I, parents. My my children are so lazy. Who taught them work ethic? Yeah, yeah, right. Who didn't teach them work ethic. Yeah. You see, it falls back on us as parents, and that's where you get. You sound mean and nasty and everything. And that's why I'm like, okay, parents. You have to be engaged in this process. You have to be the primary educator, teacher of your child spiritually. You have to do these things. Now, I hope that what we can come along is give you some good tools, give you some opportunities that we're helping you with that. But this is the battle. It's at this next generation. Satan's been doing it for a long time. we got to play catch up, and Mm -hmm. there's there's just no way around it. Mm -hmm. And if you're not training them up, I know who is. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and to pray that God would, that the Holy Spirit would just raise up a generation, because I, I got saved in the Jesus movement uh, at the tail end of that, where God pursued those young people. We had a culture yeah. of, of youth culture at the time, was just brand new to the world, the music, the genes, all that was brand new to the world, and the Lord was right there meeting us where we were at, and I think part of this would be to pray that the Holy Spirit does a mighty work in this generation, because... Um I mean and we are we are as hands and feet amongst the youth absolutely but we also need mm-hmm. the holy spirit to do all that. Now mm-hmm. we talked uh, we talked early on Carl about rebuilding you know when you uh, when your health goes south you can rebuild it. That's the beauty of these bodies that God gave us. We can rebuild it. I think we can also rebuild world views um yes. uh, where uh, you know you talk about the youth but we need to rebuild the world views amongst um maybe the disease and the and the exes and the the alphabet soup yeah, of generations. Yeah. Um, this survey also talks about non-denominational Christians and evangelicals. Their worldviews are far and away better than, than um, some of the denominations, mainline Protestants and that sort of thing. I don't know if there's a lot of hope for those worldviews. But all that to say, Carl, how can we rebuild the health of the church?
0: I'll give you, uh, to me, an exciting one. I'm, we're actually doing a cap. I'm not going to say where because I'm not trying to make fun of anything. It's a camp that the college uh, that's associated with it is is not in agreement with where we are, Okay, you know, in our position. But because there's some students that took a stand, and they're now seniors, and they've taken a stand in there, and they've been so gracious, they've been so compelling to their teachers that now they're saying, we need to do something. So mm. we're actually going to be in uh, this year doing something with a college and they are trying to turn it back around. Mm. So this came from students, right? This came from from students. So these parents have poured into these students who are now going on and taking their faith with them and not allowing what they had been taught and raised and, and, and knew to be distorted and changed by a place that, mm. quite frankly, you know, is not in agreement. Mm. So it is possible. It is absolutely possible to, to build somebody up that they can walk into, the lion's den, so to speak, yeah. and still have an impact. It's not easy. Yeah. Um, it's it's frustrating sometimes, but guess what? That's what we're called to do. And yeah. uh, and and here's the reality of it: the further we go into this, the more lion's dens there's going to be. Yeah. I mean, the remnant is going to start st- sticking out because. There's not going to be these places that we can go and have our big rah-rah moments. Or it's just getting smaller and smaller. The 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 the, the gene pool yeah. of those that are sol- solid, solid, sold-out, born-again believers is decreasing. But yes. that doesn't mean that we don't get fired up and that we can't, like a, yeah. I don't know, I, I don't know if I should say this, be like a flu. Boy, we can start <laughs> spreading this thing. When we get fired up, we can we can yeah. spread this thing. We can right. we can get it out there. We can have an impact. But it's the Holy Spirit that will do the work. We just have to humble ourselves and say, Lord, here am my, send me, use me. And then yeah. go for it.
1: Yeah. Carl, we just have a minute left and I want to ask you just real quickly, and I, I this might be short stopping this whole thing, but what about, uh, flocks maybe challenging the pastors a little bit if they see the worldview is yeah. not biblical and lacking? What kindly and in love challenging those pastors?
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Why should we not do that? Right. Just, look, it's the body of Christ and, and, and I've had people challenge me. I've actually I don't know that I'm teaching anything that's incorrect, but I probably am. I've, I've got feet of play I'm a sinner like everybody else. Mm-hmm. But I know this: in the past, I've said things that were absolutely incorrect. People came up and challenged me, mm-hmm. and I'm appreciative of it. So, if you've got a pastor that's teaching something that's off, and you approach them in love and say, "This is my concern," and you try to work through something like that, yeah. the response that you get back is going to make is going to be very telling. Yeah. Is this good? Because somebody, what's it say? Scripture is very clear that I would rather have the rebuke from that person that loves me than from the enemy. So if you're seeing something that I'm doing incorrect, I want to know about it because I don't want to go out here and get chewed up and spit out by the enemy. I can tell you that.
1: Yeah. Boy, that's the truth. And I think if it's done properly and in love, because we are all the body, we're to esteem one another as greater than ourselves. And in order to do that, you know, it does include... um, uh you know, just iron iron sharpening iron and talking about those things that uh because there's yep. there are pulpits that have been teaching from every book but the Bible and so we have the heaps of teachers, uh there are churches that teach from books instead of or they talk about the Bible instead of teaching the Bible. Yeah. So those that are mature, um if if you're able to sit down with leadership and say, you know, look this, yes. we need to be a pro life worldview, a young earth worldview. Yes. We need these Absolutely. worldviews. So, Carl Kirby, thank you so much. Reasons for Hope Ministry. We're so glad you could be with us today. And, uh, Lord, bless your ministry and all that you got going on. And we will be praying for you guys. God bless you.
0: Miss Miss Mary, you're blessed. And thank you. Thank you, you. Chris. See
1: you. All right. So we have coming up later this week, we have Wednesday, Philip Zodiades is a replay. What a great story he has. Thursday, Jim Fletcher. I'm going to throw a zillion things at him. Friday, news headlines. And then next Monday kick it off with scott share on a new podcast thank you for joining me today we're listener supported we so appreciate you now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to god our savior who alone is wise be glory majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen